Welcome to New Hope's Sermon of the Week. We truly hope you're blessed as you listen to this week's message. This morning, the word that I'm going to share has been percolating in me for some time, but I actually had planned to teach on something else. And then a couple weeks ago when Ralph started talking about It Matters, I was reminded of a conversation I had with one of my nephews when I was down, I don't remember if it was Christmas or in March, but I was talking to him about it matters what you believe. You know, people tell you often, you know, people could tell you what they believe, but their, their life really emulates what they believe. And you will make decisions out of that belief system. So it matters. And then a couple weeks ago when Bill Vanderbush was here, he talked about, I don't remember what it was that triggered this, but I was reminded of a prophetic word that I got a very long time ago. And uh, has anyone here ever had a prophetic word that while you're getting it or immediately following, you're thinking, I was hoping for something different. (laughs) (laughs) Or I wish it could have been more of a showstopper. This one was dull. And I got a prophetic word from a man of God from Elam that I respect very much. His name was George Feach. And he talked about God using me in the mundane. And I walked away going, oh, that's no fun. (laughs) Like, really? Okay, that's my prophetic word, mundane. (laughs) But often the Lord has brought that to memory. Because really, that's where God wants to use all of us, is in every minute of every day. You know, often when we think about being used by God, we think of stadiums and we think of, you know, surroundings like this or, you know, but we get, we get these grand ideas in our head of, you know, I've got a call, somebody says, you have a call of God and immediately, you know, we're thinking evangelism or healing the sick and these, you know, and there's just, truckloads of people coming. But really, the call of God is when he calls your name and you realize why you were here. It It has nothing really to do with some gigantic ministry like we've blown it up to me. It's about your assignment, but and really about how God's designed you. And it flows out of who you are. And we've talked a lot about identity, but where do we go with that? Legacy is what I want to talk about this morning. You know, kingdom-minded has been the topic, and kingdom, being kingdom-minded requires long-term thinking. And unfortunately, we live in a day and age where everything is fairly instant. 
you know, you're going through the drive-through. I was going through Starbucks drive-through, and I was getting impatient. But if I had actually looked at my watch, it was only only a couple minutes. It's like if a guy in front of you doesn't move, you're like, get with it. What's taking so long? I remember when the microwaves came out. Don't. That means I'm old. I know that. But we live in this time where, you know, fast food and all this stuff, and we're just customer service. It's good customer service. It's fast customer service. I prefer accurate, but <laughs> speed seems to be the goal most of the time. But when we're in the kingdom, that requires to think differently and to think more long-term. We, we come from a generation that, unfortunately... And you may disagree with me, and that's okay, but it's not going to change my mind. <laughs> Just so you know. Because of how they believed about the coming of Christ, they really didn't do anything with their lives. They were camping out on mountains waiting for Jesus to come. And regardless of what you believe about that, I have my opinions and I think I'm right, just so you know. A lot of people aren't long-term thinkers. They're not thinking beyond themselves to the next generation or the next generation or the next generation. You know, in the 1800s, they were building cathedrals knowing they would probably not see them finished. I mean, I can't even think of people that I know currently that think like that. But being a long-term thinker and building a legacy is really a kind of a kingdom assignment. Legacy, when you look it up, it's, it talks about its law, a gift of property, especially personal property, and then it says anything handed down from the past as from an ancestor or predecessor. Now, in my mind, when I'm thinking of legacy in the kingdom, I feel like it goes in two directions. That it's not all about the future, but it's about building on the past. And you can't forget the past and only aim at the future, but you can't live back there either. The actual word for legacy comes from another word that, when you're talking about word origins, and it means a body of persons sent on a mission. I think that's cool. I mentioned the cathedrals, but there is a, a person, a current person that a lot of us would remember is Walt Disney. And I found this really interesting article uh, in the Democrat and Chronicle from years and years and years ago that Walt Disney, when he was thinking about building Disney World in Florida, actually paid a visit to Rochester, New York. Wow. Which, really? <laughs> 
Anyway, it says, uh, when Walt Disney was making plans to build Disney World in Florida, he came to Rochester in search of inspiration. I think that's cool. And he found it in Midtown Plaza. We're building a new community down there from nothing. This is a quote from him. And we want it right, Disney told the Democrat and Chronicle. This is in 1968. I just wanted to come into Rochester and talk with the boys here about Midtown Plaza. Midtown had opened in 1962 and was the first urban shopping mall in the United States. We're, we're like awesome people. You just... Us Rochesterians. Pioneers. Said his goal, the architect, Victor Gruen, said his goal was to build a pedestrian-friendly downtown square. The project won numerous awards and attracted city planners and elected officials from around the country who came to see what some hailed as the new model for urban life. Disney was among them. And having just undertaken plans to build a super city in Florida rather than simply build an amusement park, he envisioned an experimental city that would be home to 50,000 people. It'd be a testing ground for new concepts in city living. During his visit, Disney said he was impressed by Midtown's high, wide ceilings, which he described as giving it a feeling of openness. He was also interested in the hotel atop the building and how it could be fit in with his city within a city concept. Disney did open in 71, but what his original plans never happened because he passed away. And his brother ended up um, building an amusement park. But I, find it, I found it interesting that he came to Rochester for inspiration. And I find it interesting that he was, he was forward-thinking. He was thinking about, he was, he was pl- taking ground. Yeah. He was thinking about doing something new. And when I'm talking about legacy this morning, I, I'm not talking about, I mean, I think it's good to provide for your children. I'm not talking about just having a great name for yourself. I mean, it, it's wonderful if people think well of you. But I'm talking about breakthrough and taking ground. Not just for you, but for the people coming after you. You know, sometimes when there are things that God taps on our shoulder and says, you need to deal with something, we're like, painful, don't want to do that. But if we think in terms of generations, what we deal with, the people coming after don't. And they are building on us. And sometimes, I mean, we, we, we live in a very self-oriented culture currently. And as kingdom people with kingdom mindset, we don't have that luxury. Because the kingdom, we have an assignment. And the assignment we have has to do with getting breakthrough and taking ground. And that might look different for everybody, but it's still our assignment. 
the breakthrough that I get is some breakthrough someone else doesn't have to get. You know, anybody can learn from their mistakes. You don't have to be genius to do that. But real wisdom comes from people who learn from other people's mistakes. In 2 Timothy, I am going to use scripture. Don't panic. In 2 Timothy 4, I'm going to focus on 6 and 7, but what caught my attention here is Paul is expecting that he's not going to be around much longer. So he's, Timothy is his son, his spiritual son, and he's giving him some instructions. But he says, For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time of my departure is near. And then verse 7 he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. That is Paul's legacy. He did what he came to do. He did what was put before him. I think that's the kind of legacy we all want to leave. That we want to build those kind of legacies. Many of you know my father died when I was... Actually, it's been over 20 years now. It seems mind-blowing that he hasn't been around that long. But um, a few years ago, my brother, well, let me tell you two stories. One is my brother, my one brother, Steve, has eight kids. Very prolific family. <laughs> It makes me feel less guilty about not having kids. <clears throat> but he has eight children, and then my, other, my youngest brother has four. And there was a good chunk of them that had all gone to camp. And it was, you know, church camp, and they're not all that far apart in years. And my brother Steve's youngest four are all very close, close in age to my brother John's four kids. So there was a whole passel of them that went to church camp together, and they came home, and they just had really encountered God. And my one nephew pulled all the brothers and sisters and his cousins together, and he was, I can do this. He was saying, we are bowls, and that means something. And he was talking about the legacy of my parents. That, you know, when dad left, he didn't leave me money. But he left me something greater. The the relationship I've always had with them, both mom and dad, has always felt like we were running and pursuing God together. I didn't feel like their walk with God like they landed somewhere and I was trying to catch up. I always felt like we were learning and pursuing God together. They weren't just my parents, they were brothers and sisters in the Lord, and I learned my hunger from them. 
I really, worship leading, I learned from sitting around campfires and camping. I learned, you know, a lot of what I do, I learned from my parents. You know, when I think of what do I want to be, to impart to other people, is being faithful, because that's what I learned from them. Being a faithful, dependable, consistent, on-fire, passionate person for God. I, I learned that from them. You know, but he gathered them together and said, you know, we are bolses and we are going to pursue God together. And they all prayed together. And hearing the story, it was very moving. Um, then this year, my brother Steve, on my dad's birthday, sends out a private message to everybody in the family and says, I declare this Thomas Bowles Day. That's my dad's name. And I would like everybody to post something about dad. Now, my dad's been gone over 20 years, and so really only the first four grandchildren knew my father. And Josh was the youngest at the time, so he didn't, you know, his memories of him are very little. So the other kids don't really, you know, don't know him on a first-name basis. But what was really powerful is I'm at work, and my, my phone keeps blowing up because all these people are posting stuff. And I'm like crying. I'm like, I had to get up and shut my door because I'm crying because some of the most powerful stuff was written by people who don't know him personally. My, my, my niece, who married my nephew like four years ago, posted something beautiful, and she said, I feel like I know your dad because I know all of you. You know, my, nephew, my youngest niece, who was born in 2000, posted how she sees him in the lives of all of us and can hardly wait to meet him. You know, those are the kind of legacies that we want to build in the body of Christ. Right? It's not about my family. It's about building in people. I, I don't have any kids, but I want to build in other people what's been left to me. You know, and, and that is long-term thinking because I want to affect people I will never meet. My, my dad affected people he will never meet. He, he lived a life that many people wouldn't consider, you know, unordinary in any way. But yet, the choices he made are affecting generations and will continue to affect generations. I have fought the good fight. There are days where it feels like that. It doesn't feel like it's such a good fight. It feels like it's just a fight fight. And I can relate to that. I think anybody who knows me knows that I'm a fighter. 
I don't give up easily. And uh, that didn't manifest very well as a child. But thankfully, <laughs> I have good parents that were able to guide me in the ways of righteousness. Here's a quote from uh, Jim Rohn. It says, All good men and women must take responsibility to create legacies that will take the next generation to a next level that we could only imagine. What I just want to encourage, and really my heart here, is to encourage you that when there's breakthrough to be had or ground to be taking and you're weary... Remember, there are people coming behind you. Good. And fresh, don't, don't get weary in well-doing, right? right? Press on, fight the good fight. Because maybe it's okay for you to give up because you're just like, ah, I can live with this. But can they? You know, I want to pray for the sick. I want to see the dead raised so that people in my great nieces generation don't think twice about raising the dead i've raised i've prayed for dead people and they didn't come back but that doesn't mean i'm going to stop praying for dead people praying for people to be healed there is ground we need to take because there are people coming behind us and We need to think long-term. We need to think beyond now, beyond 20 years, beyond your lifespan. I found a quote I couldn't find who to attribute it to, but it said, build something that outlasts you. I have the the privilege, really, sometimes it doesn't feel like that, but I have the privilege of working for a family company. (laughs) And when I first got hired the father who who started the company was still there. And his son had been, I think he was like the vice president at the time. And he was actually the one who hired me. And now, the office next to mine, his son occupies. And he's, he's really a wonderful young young man. But see... That was a real goal of Mike, who started the company, was not just to pass it on to Eli, but he wanted to pass it on to his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't thinking about paying the bills. He was thinking about having something that would provide for his family long after he was gone. He's no longer with us, but he's instilled that in Eli, and uh, his son and his son-in-law both work at the company. His brother-in-law is there as well, and his kids, I know, will work there someday. But it's really an example of what I'm talking about. But there's something that I really appreciate about Josh, and I didn't know him very well. He's only been there for a couple years now. And when he first came in, I was a little nervous, because last time I remember him, he was like this high. <laughs> and made a lot, a lot of noise and ruckus whenever he was in the office. So I was thinking, you know, oh, what is this going to be like? 
But he, he, you know what? He, he's a hardworking young man. And he cares about the company because his dad cares. And he wants to do a good job. But the really interesting thing is, like, Eli gives him projects to do, and I hear him coming in and out of the office frequently. And, and um, the really cool thing that it spoke to me is often when we talk about generational thinking, we're thinking about, oh, we got to get the young people in here doing stuff. And, and then, then the older people are like, what, I check out now? But see, the kingdom is supposed to be like family. That means we run together. That means we're not like trying to shift all these like, okay, you're in charge, I'm leaving. You know, it's not like that because that's not how family works. I learned what I learned because I ran with my family. I ran with my parents. In the place where I'm employed, they are running together. Eli and Mike worked together for years before Mike uh, wasn't with us any longer. And Mike and Josh will run together and run that place for years. And he'll, and you know, just the way Eli did, he'll get more and more and more responsibility, and eventually he'll be the the CEO. And but Eli will still be there. Because legacy works both ways. It's about honoring what's behind, building on that, and dreaming for what's coming. We have to be envisioned, but we have to honor what came before. You know, I think my favorite, the music industry is really, sometimes I'm amazed but you can have somebody that is like this amazing guitar player, and maybe he's not touring anymore, but those young guitar players, he shows up, they're in the front row, teach me everything you know. I mean, they suck it up like sponges, and they honor them for what they bring. They're not like, hey, Edge, check out my new lick. They, they want to know, like, and they say, you know, I couldn't even do what I'm doing without you. Building legacy honors what came before and envisions what's coming. Uh, Philippians 3, 12... It says, not that I have already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward for what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Part of building a legacy is pressing on. It's never giving up. It's pushing forward. I want to run hard until my last breath. In the kingdom, there's no such thing as retirement. 
I mean, it doesn't mean you can't retire in the natural. I'm not saying that. But there's no such thing as retirement in the kingdom. It's not a kingdom activity. Because you never arrive. We are always learning and new things about Jesus, about God the Father, about the Holy Spirit. It's a continual revelation. I don't want to stop. I want to keep pressing in to God for more. You know, one thing I love about my mom, it's like she is one of the most fearless women I know. She would argue with me, but she is. And she has an iPhone. She's, she has mastered it quite well. I said, Mom, you can do this. She has, a, you know, she's got a computer, and I got her an um, Apple TV because she has a little mini, mini uh, iPad mini now. So anyway, she calls me like I'm her IT person. <laughs> so it's like whenever she has trouble, she calls me up. But it's so fun because she really, like, she's not, she really is pressing in to learn this stuff. And so she calls me a couple weeks ago, and she's really frustrated. And she's like, oh, I tried this and this. And it was awesome because she told me everything that she did, and they were all things I would have told her to do. And in the end, when we finally figured it out, it was something I would never have thought of in a million years, and we actually got someone else to help us. But I was so proud of her because it's like she's, she continues to learn. Like she's not... Like, I, you know, you meet older people and they're like, oh, I can't do that stuff. I mean, I meet salesmen who don't want to use iPads because they don't want to learn the technology. But here's my mom. She's 77. She rocks. She's like, I can learn this. I can do this. You know, she just, you know, and she, she's like that not just in temporal. She's like that in spiritual things. Like I call, oh, you should have heard the sermon on Sunday. Of course, if my nephew preaches, I hear it verbatim. You know, he's a, he's a, he's a worship pastor in Florida. And um, I'm telling you, she is the number one fan. She is his number one fan. And she's, you have to listen to this sermon. It is online. Okay, Mom, I will listen. She... And she'll say, I, you know, I never thought of that. Like, she'll tell me something that Stevie preached on, and she'll be like, I, I, I never thought of that. She, she doesn't not learn from him because he's 30. She, she says, wow, the Holy Spirit gave him some insight. I'm going to learn from that. We want to keep pressing in. We want to keep moving forward. We want to keep going after God with all that we have. She continues to inspire me. She continues to inspire um, my nephews and nieces. She, she inspires, she's like the church grandmother. Well, that could be because half the worship team calls her grandma, but she, she does, she is the church grandma. And she it continues to, like, she's growing in the Lord constantly. And that's what we want to do in the kingdom. We want to constantly be um, encouraging each other 
spurring each other on to good works, as the, Lord, as the word says. Continually pressing in. There is never a time to check out. There is never a time to stop. You've never gotten there and arrived somewhere where you don't need to keep growing in the Lord. And we can always learn from each other, whether you're learning from Lorelai Cachette, or whether you're learning from Ralph, or whether you're learning from Carl, or Tom Hogan, or Grace. We can always learn from one another. Always. And it's part of being a family. And being a generational church and building legacy is about running together at every age. It's about making room for each other at every age. Because even if I hand the baton to someone else, then they have to hand it to someone else. In the kingdom, you never, you never get to keep it. It's all about giving stuff away all the time. You're never in a place of, I'm not giving something away. You're never in a place of, I'm not pouring out to someone else. We don't have that luxury. And that's not kingdom economics. Whether it's money or whether it's time and treasure and talent. So I just want to encourage you this morning that, like Paul said, that as we've lived our lives and as we go on, however long we're here, that we can say, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. It doesn't mean that you've lived life perfectly. It doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes. But when we fall down, we get up and we run to God. That's keeping the faith. Keeping the faith isn't about doing it perfect. Keeping the faith is about just keeping it going. Just Keep pressing in. Just keep doing it. And I, I, I'm not looking at this from a place of striving or working to get approval or doing something for, you know, to be thought of or remembered well. But because there are people that broke ground and took territory that went before us. And it is our turn to do it for the people that we will never meet. It is our turn. I am grateful for John Wimber and people I never knew. I am grateful for the people in the 1700s and 1800s and the Azusa Street and all those things that have happened in the past. I'm grateful for all of that because of their faithfulness, because they kept the faith, because they fought the good fight, because they ran hard into the end. He uses the race analogy so many times in his letters, not just this one place. And if you've ever watched a race, if you want to win the race, you run through the finish line. You don't, stop slow, you don't start slowing down 10 feet before you get there. The winners always run through the finish line. I want to get to heaven out of breath. 
So I just want to encourage you, and I hope you take it and hear my heart. I don't want you to feel like I'm saying you're doing something wrong. I'm just encouraging us that we, we want to think kingdom. We want to think long term. We want to leave a legacy. We want to build a legacy for the generations that are coming, the ones that we know and the ones that we don't know. I don't know Marissa Hogan's kids yet, but they're going to be awesome. I have nieces and nephews that are this high, and there's going to be some awesome bulls is coming through there. <laughs> so let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray that we would be a church that builds legacy. We build something that will outlast us. That we will take ground, that we will have breakthroughs that will affect people that we will never know. That we will keep pressing in, that we will fight the good fight, finish the race. We will run hard. that we would encourage one another and inspire one another when we get tired and weary to keep going. That wherever we are, whatever that looks like, sometimes our run might be a jog because we feel a little beat up, but Lord, that we would keep moving, keep pressing in. That we would run from rest because we're secure in our relationship with you. It wouldn't be a striving thing. Lord, I pray that anyone who hears this would be encouraged. And I just bless New Hope, bless everyone here. In Jesus' name, amen. We really hope you enjoyed this week's message. Please join us again sometime and be sure to check out our exciting resources at newhopecom.org.